recording uh, indicator. Just saw it. Just saw it. Okay. Okay. I'll give a little countdown here. Five. One second. Close my door. Okay. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to today's episode. Today, my guest is Kyle Samuels. He's the founder and CEO of Creative Talent Endeavor. Inde uh, sorry, start that over. Five, four, three, two, one. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. Today, my guest is Kyle Samuels. He's the founder and CEO of Creative Talent Endeavors, an executive search and HR advisory firm. They focus on director level and above searches, agnostic to industry, and they provide consulting and coaching services for both short and long engagements. I'm really excited to have this perspective on the show. Welcome, Kyle. Adam, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's start off with just a, a bit more detail about what Creative Talent Endeavors does and um, what is the most interesting thing that you've seen change over the last few years as it relates to distributed work in the searches that you help with. 100%. So um, CTE is where we're um, more commonly known as Creative Talent Endeavors. We do executive search at the director and above level. We're industry agnostic. And in terms of the other side of the business, which is consulting and advisory services, we do everything from um, you know one-day sprints to multi-year engagements to help a company uh, improve their talent culture or people processes and um, systems. And in terms of um, the biggest thing that I've seen with distributed work is just the rise of it during the pandemic and um, the kind of roller coaster ride that, that employers and employees have been on as companies, you know, jump on it, maybe jump off, put a pin in it, try to figure it out. It's 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 rapidly um, evolving and changing, although I do believe that companies are starting to really um, put their flag in the ground and, and, and proudly and loudly say what their philosophy is about distributed work. Because there's lots of um, pluses. We are 100% distributed here at CTE, but there are also some some trade-offs, just like with anything else. Yeah. What what percentage of the searches that you're working on now or that you've recently concluded have hybrid or distributed, um, you know, have a hybrid or distributed uh, reality for the position or for the team that the position is going to be managing? In other words, maybe another way to ask that question is, is there a search? Is there ever a search anymore that you do, which is zero distributed work, zero hybrid, no one on the team, the immediate team or the um, extended team of the person or the position um, is exposed to distributed work? Is that is that even possible anymore? You'd be surprised. Um, I would say yes. It's mostly um, at our startup clients, right? Even if it's maybe a couple hundred people, but the ones that are still, you know, we're in office culture. At larger organizations, to your point, that is that's where it gets almost impossible. Now, the role itself may not be hybrid or remote, but um, companies have just realized to keep some amazing people. Sometimes, if you know. Sally's got 18 years of great performance and all of a sudden she's like, hey, I need to move to Montana, but she's kicking butt. Companies that 
you know, historically have never allowed that have just said, you know what, it's not worth losing salad. We can let it, we can let it slide, but that's not the company policy. That's just the ad hoc, depending on who the person is policy. Right. I understand. Um, interesting choice of words, let it slide. I want to just ask, like, do, do you still feel like for the most part, the the employers, the companies themselves are seeing this as a concession or um, or do you think more and more of them are seeing it as a win win? Um, <laughs> um, to be honest, I think it's more of the concession. The reason why I laughed is that um, one of the things we discovered during the pandemic is a lot of these executives uh, with these beautiful MBAs forgot the sunk cost fallacy. And there were a lot of clients that, and I was just clients, a lot of companies that lost out in amazing talent because the company philosophy was, we just built or leased this expensive office space. And so we want to put people in it. Yeah. But that lease is going to be a hundred grand a month, whether you have one person or a thousand. So it is right. what it is. Right. And so that has been one of the things that we've seen a few companies really takes some big losses if, I be, if I'm being honest by just like yeah. staying in that and people and losing out on great talent, especially when, you know, think 2020 to 2022, almost the whole world was like, oh, you can work from anywhere. Right. Um, that being said, I believe that employers based on the conversations I've had and, and things that I went to by and large, they, unless they are already um, a very distributed workforce or like very much a hybrid and that's been kind of like in their DNA for years, they want butts in seats. They want people that they can see. Uh, I was at a conference uh, a couple months ago and there was a, a talk on this and it wasn't, it, the subject was kind of like, hey, let's discuss distributed work and hybrid work. No, you know, no um, value in the title, but when we got there, every person that was a uh, a founder or in a leadership role was like, no, no, we want people in the office. Mm -hmm. And what what do you think is driving that? I mean, I understand the the sunk cost, you know, of the real estate and just not wanting to look to their bosses or to their board of directors like they, they don't understand that themselves. But um, what do you think is driving the. I, I, I guess what I'm saying is, like, I can understand that being an initial reaction, but yeah. once the numbers come in about um, how many people are leaving for other employers that are offering more flexibility or what percentage of our recruits are we not signing after the summer cycle uh, because they're going to other employers that offer more flexibility, like w once the numbers come through, what do you think is, you know, encouraging these uh, Sticklers or <laughs> mm -hmm. stall or stalwarts. Um, is it is it still just the the, the real estate costs or um, no? Okay, uh -uh. it's it's so there's two things. Number one, it's horror stories. Um, everyone has heard and or experienced you know people not leaving their first job and they accept another job and they're working two jobs and I've yet to hear the story about the person who's been able to pull that off. Um, and have it work. And by the way, in the stories that I know about those, I'm not just talking about stuff I've read that I literally know, um, the person always does a horrible job at the new one, right? Because the old job is where you know people and you have the credibility and that's what you think you know like the back of your hand. And so that's number one. 
people have had those horror stories um, or heard of them about people not leaving their jobs in this new remote world. And so they're, they're anxious about that. that. That's number one. And I think number two is people have hired people um, remote and they've enjoyed it and they've gotten good product. But there are certain people that are just more, you know, not to use a, a, a trite little thing, but like people, 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 right? They're people persons. And they want that, like they crave that, they need that, that's how they get their energy. So in their mind, I'm the most um, uh, effective when I'm in an office setting, so therefore Adam must be the most effective when he's in an office setting. That might not be true for Adam, but it's that kind of thought that that's, that's how it's always been, that's how it is, so we wanna kind of go back to that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I have I have felt for a while like, the best way to describe it is it's a kind of a rational response that's based on the overall picture of what they're familiar with and possibly also uh, the fact that some of the um, core tools have not evolved enough to give them a um, like what they see as a viable alternative. I think that's it 100 percent. And I think the other part is, is that like, you know, Trust is a, like all we're talking about is trust, right? Can I trust this person to do what they need to do if I don't see them every day and you know what I mean, see what time they get in and do all that stuff? That's ultimately what it comes down to is yep. trust or lack of it. Yep. Um, and so I think for other people too, it's like, well, you know, and listen, it, it, it's a spectrum. I think during COVID when we couldn't, you know, be, you know, physically be in the room and interview people, of course, there were tons of people that were hired that weren't qualified, but you can only do these types of interviews and it didn't work out. Right. And so I think, now I think I know a lot of hiring managers and executives are now like, uh, uh-uh. before I make that kind of investment, you know, six figures, hundreds of thousands of dollars, million dollar package in someone, I, it, it needs to be someone that I can get, have easy access to and get to know them. And so that's where a lot of it comes from as well as like, no, 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 no. I really want to know you so I can get that trust. And so going back to what I said before about Sally being the one who gets to work remote is because like Sally's put in 18 years of work and she's got the reputation and the trust. So you can trust Sally. But on day one, you don't know if you're going to let Sally work remote because all you have is a resume and, you know, a few hours of interviews. Right. It, it, it brings up an interesting part of the research on distributed um, workforce and sort of labor economics um, of distributed workforces, um, and that is the, the the generational difference, both in appetite and in sort of perceived costs of working remotely. Um, people in their 40s and 50s who are more established in their relationships, um, they they have um, you know a surprisingly um, high appetite for. Um, in-person interactions, but also they can sort of afford to um, explore both sides of it, meaning the in-person as well as the remote. I think that there's a much higher uh, and pronounced uh, cost for people just starting their careers um, in a fully remote context or in a sort of remote heavy context because they miss out on, on these these unscripted sort of unscheduled opportunities to learn uh, these mentorship moments, we could call them. So um, like, what do you see as the best practices from the employer's perspective when they're trying to recruit people? uh, How do they, ideally, how would they tackle something like this? Like if I'm a young person graduating from school and I'm looking at, uh, at, at different positions that I might be interested in taking. The economy is good right now. There are lots of jobs. Um, 
and assuming that there's a range of of different you know setups available to you you know I think you have to ask some smart questions about like, well, this team that I'm going to be on, like uh, how often do they work together? Which days do they work together? Is there a travel budget? Am I supposed to be in person, you know, a certain number of times per week or per month? Um, you know, I don't know. What, what what are some what are some best practices that you've seen uh, on the employer side when it comes to sort of painting a picture for the candidates about what they're getting into. I know you don't work on entry-level searches, obviously, but this must come up um, even at the senior levels. Of course, it's, um, so the first thing that's important, regardless of being hybrid, fully remote, whatever, is having a distinct um, and transparent philosophy and then the why behind it, right? So like, it can't just be like, we work, you know, because things have changed over the last five years. So we work in the office. Why? We believe this, that, and the third. Now, the employee or the candidate may or may not agree with that, but at least they've been given a transparent philosophy that they can figure out, does this make sense? Do I want to move forward in this process, right? And so number one, that can weed out on both ways, which is great for the employee because it may not be the the, the kind of environment they want and for the employer. Um, just, just standing on it, owning it, and being transparent about it and the why because again, if you give some of the why, that takes some of the trepidation from an applicant's um, thoughts. Because like uh, you and I talked earlier off mic, a lot of companies have changed. You know, there are companies that said, "Hey, we're we can work from anywhere. You can be a Timbuktu with a satellite phone." And some of them have said, "Just kidding. We need you back in the office on January 1st. And so, understanding what that is and understanding that it's real. That makes it easier, I think, for both the candidate and the employer to understand, you know, table stakes. Is this even going to to be a fit? Um, mm -hmm. And I love what you said about um, coming in. And I think you said entry level. And I think that's important because there's a lot of things that happen when you start in your career that aren't about, um, you know, assignments or KPIs. It's just seeing things and that that kind of intrinsic stuff that helps you understand. But even at the executive level, um, that one could argue it's even more important. So as you mentioned, you know, a lot of people might think it's exciting that you can live in Cleveland, Ohio and work for a company that's based in San Francisco. That's great. But is there an opportunity to be involved in the company? Do we have, um, you know, once a year, maybe even more kind of all hands meetings where we can get get together? Um, yeah. There's going to be travel opportunities to go to headquarters. Because I know it's on paper, it sounds great. Live where you live and work for this big company that's doing really cool stuff somewhere else in the country. But again, if you want to grow your career, and we've seen a lot of people um, come back from that. I'll give you a quick aside. Um, there was an individual that was going for a role, um, great role. The role was actually 100% remote. This was 2021. And she pulled out because she said, you know what? Um, during the during COVID, my company, you know, went remote. I realized I need to be around people. That's where mm -hmm. the state where we can actually be in the offices. I actually know for me, I want to be in an office where I can see my coworkers every day, right? And yeah. so, not bad or wrong, but she knew enough about that to make that decision. Yeah, I I totally understand. I'm very um very tuned into that set of trade-offs. I, I do think that um, that there's a, a certain part of those trade-offs that are that are on the people and the processes, but there, there is another part that's on the tools. Um, do you see any patterns um, among the companies that seem uh, 
to be successfully managing, you know, these trade-offs? Do you, do you see any patterns in 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 how they operate, or or which tooling they they rely on, or uh, you know, for example, like um, we were talking before the show about um, the best practice of getting people together. You know, if they're a remote team or a distributed mm-hmm. team, like they still have a certain number. Uh, hopefully, the company is sponsoring a certain amount of um, time together in person, whether it's offsites or or people just you know visiting each other's locations and things like that. But um, in that in that spirit, do you see any best practices that um, that are noteworthy that that you can call out? Yes. So besides the, and obviously there's a, you know, a cost to that, but besides like, you know, meeting in person as many times as you can, you know, afford and make valuable. Right. Um, and also, by the way, when doing those things, making sure that it's not just the work stuff, because that's the one thing that all your coworkers, if you're a hundred percent distributor, even hybrid, like they communicate about work stuff, but go do some fun shit. You know what I mean? Right. Go do paintball or go to Go to go to make sure you go to dinner, go to a um, a escape room or something like that to really allow people to get to know each other without it being about work. Right. So that's that's super super, um, important. And then the other thing I was going to say, communication. If you can't there's a if we work in the same office and I can just walk downstairs to your office and knock on the door at 412 or 1018 or whatever. Yeah. That's, you know, the old way. Yeah. You can't always do that in the new way. So. Using technology, it doesn't matter if it's Slack, Zoom, Teams, whatever, um, Notion, but that's what I found. The companies that are um, either 100% remote or very, very much hybrid, mm-hmm. they have an amazing, again, the systems, it could be, um, what's the one, uh, Trello. doesn't matter mm-hmm. what, what the brand name is, but yep. the ones that communicate a lot all the time and publicly, I don't mean just like, you know, me and you, Adam, I mean like for the things that make sense on public boards so everyone could kind of be a part of it, those yeah. are the ones that do well. When you start to start, you kind of act, the companies that act like they're still in the same office, but you're mm-hmm. not anymore, that's where you get the issues because you yep. can't, like I said, you can't, oh, let me, I just, oh, I just saw it bumped into Adam at the, the, the water cooler. There is no bumping into Adam at the water cooler. And so right. you have to take the time to be intentional with your communication. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, there, there are there there's software out there that has tried to um, <laughs> recreate the the water cooler, but I I think ultimately um, it's going to have to be really integrated into how people already work. In other words, it, it can't just be a plugin, the water cooler dot fun plugin. Yeah, I made that up, but you know what I mean. It can't be <laughs> it can't be it can't be, hey, we got this new app called watercooler.fun and everyone installs it into whatever you're spending all your time in or on and it's going to bring that back. I mean, it's a little bit too too contrived, you know, too uh too uh synthetic, um inorganic uh and that's the thing. Humans humans crave interactions even introverts need some but there is a spectrum um but uh whatever amount you crave whether it's a little or a lot right it has to be has to feel natural um to people in order to serve its purpose and um and so i think you know those kinds of interventions are are just not gonna really work in the long term agreed 100 percent agree yeah. Um, one thing I always like like to ask about, Kyle, is um, is your own distributed work setup. So it's kind of fun for people to, you know, just like it's fun for people to see 
someone else's house. Um, it's fun to hear about how people, what people surround themselves with and what they remove from their distributed work uh, room or setup. So would be great if you could just describe your desk, your the room you're working in, and, and how, what do you do to give yourself the best chance of having a productive day when you're not able to be physically with your colleagues? Yes. So I've got a very big screen that um, I use software to divide into thirds. I think it's like 36 to 39 inches. So that helps, right? So you can ha have someone's face up while you're looking at the documents. Um, but no, my office, uh, again, home office, lucky it's rather, rather large. Um, and in my office, when we bought this house um, is when I started the company. Um, in like the office I'm talking to you right now, there's two like workstations for other people. Um, cause I knew I had, I was going to have some employees here in Charlotte. And so sometimes like Friday, actually we're getting together here at the house. Uh, three of us are. And so it does allow in-person meetings, um, very easily, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it's well lit, got all my books, computer, got a window in front of me. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very effective. Sounds comfortable. Yeah. Sounds comfortable. Yeah. Do you, do you, um, do you use external, mouse and keyboard and camera or do you use most besides your second screen do you use mostly built-in hardware uh or do you have um is it a little bit more complicated than that i hey i lost you for yeah, a second that's yeah no problem uh did you hear the question i did not okay i was just wondering um like do you use external keyboards and mouses uh, and uh, and cameras um, or aside from your second screen, is it mostly built in your built in hardware? No, no, no. Great point. I got the wireless um, mouse, wireless keyboard. I use a um, external camera because I never cared about stuff like that before. Right. But during COVID, when it was like video, video, video. Yeah. You know, I got the thing, the light, which is super helpful. It's just the things that you think about. Um, yeah. And when you think about distributed, um, that's, I think, one of the most important things. If home is going to be your office, you're going to have a home office, you want to make it as um, comfortable as possible. But obviously, even more important, you want to make sure it's um, the right environment to get the work done. So, you know, quiet area, if you have that, you know, luxury of space, uh, something with a door. Um, and, and, and getting back to what we talked about before, I think that's one of the other um, ironies, perhaps, is that while uh, typically a lot of data show that younger people prefer hybrid or remote. Um, I've also seen reports that because, you know, when you, let's be honest, when you're younger, you're making less money. So you have less of less um, of a nice spot. And so there are a lot of people during the pandemic, younger people who wanted to go to an office because they're like, hey, I share an apartment with a dirtbag friends from college. I can't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. I don't want to be in this dirty place. It's going to look disgusting on camera. Like, I can't, I don't have room to go anywhere. So, like, they actually want um, a space to go. And and that's one other thing I will, I will add. We also do this, um, again, understanding, yes, we're 100% remote, even though we have multiple people in certain, certain cities. So, what we'll do is, if you guys want to get together, I'm talking about us at CT, but you guys want to get together, you got, you know, three people in New York or the people in California, whatever the case may be, go get a um, a workspace and just go commune and, and go get lunch together, right? Like do those things yeah. um, as, as necessary. So like we also make sure everyone knows that that's okay. Just go ahead and do it. You don't need to get approval because 
if you like, we like that we have people who like working with each other and being around each other physically. So that that's a good thing where you don't have to be. So we want to encourage it. Right. Right. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. I think, I think it can, it can yield, uh, it can yield benefits on several fronts. I mean, it can increase trust, which can be banked for the future for stressful moments where you're yep. just like, okay, I know this person and I bold with them or whatever. And, uh, you know, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt maybe, or we're going to get through something hard, you know, a little bit easier. Um, uh, I do think there's, there are, there are some types of work that, um, that really benefit from being able to be in person. And that, like I said, there are some interactions that, um, that the remote tooling just doesn't support in quite the same way, um, for most people. Um, that's, that's one of the things that, that our company works on, but, but, um, we're not the only ones. And I think just, um, having the tools evolve is very important. Um, well, we probably have time for one more question. So I think I'm just going to ask you the, the biggest, hardest question there is, which is, you know, if you look forward, um, you know, say maybe two years, a, a year or two, um, what do you think is going to happen with um, the next phase of the, you know, return to office mandates and in general, just the 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 amount of work that's happening off premises right now, just to give you a data point, a recent data point, um, Nick Bloom at Stanford, um, who's a labor economist who focuses on uh, remote and distributed work and, and has for you know 20 years, uh, 25 years, um, he has been calculating the um, through large sample surveys the percentage of full-time days worked that are uh, quote off premises. Okay, and mm -hmm. um, it went from. Uh, the the 60s the mid 60 percent at the height of the pandemic down to about 25 th between 30 and 25 percent and now it's been quite stable it was quite stable between 25 and 30 percent for 2023 so now that we're starting a new year here it's 2024 um what is your macro prediction about um about uh distributed work um is it going to um, is it going to become more popular as companies and employees, you know, figure out how to negotiate with one another to to do it right? Or do you think that, hey, you know, the next time there's a recession, this this whole thing's going to basically be over and people are going to be in the office because companies are just going to tell them that? I think there's going to be a bifurcation, um, primarily across smart, smart, sorry, <laughs> for an slip, small companies and larger. So for smaller companies, I think that, um, again, someone starting a software company seven years ago in Austin, Texas, would just be like, I, I can only hire from Austin, Texas, right? Like the idea of like getting these engineers from all over the country, it just wasn't something that was accepted, right? But now they know that they can. And so I think they're going to embrace that. They want the best programmer they can get, not just the best one in their area. Whereas I believe larger companies, because we talked about some cost fallacy, this, that, and the other thing, I think that they're going to continue to be a little bit more like, hey, you can have one or two days where you don't come in, but it's primarily going to be in the office. And I think the reason for that is that as you have an organization that's larger, it does become more complex and you can't. You know, if you're trying to navigate your, your way in a, you know, I don't know, $20 billion global company, it's hard to move up that ladder just being at home. And so I think that they're going to over-index on that. But the positive thing is, is that these companies have the resources to make it worthwhile to come into the office, whether it's training, 
having you know tons of other people there, et cetera, versus put it this way. I don't see a future where you can be like, hey, I need you to come to the office and employees can be like, oh, is my team there or is it? No, no, no we just come in the office. It's going to be you. That's not going to fly. People want to know why am I fighting traffic just to sit in the office and do a Zoom with someone from home? So yes. I believe it's going to be more of a it's going to be intention based. Right. Yeah. There's going to be a value to do. It's like, well, you know, the CEO of the company is here and he's, you know, one over one for you. So I, I would think you want to meet them. But if you don't, you know, what I mean, like people will find their tribes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a great point. Like I, uh, companies are going to have to get smarter about the reasons why they are asking people to come in. And yeah, this is one of the things that we've heard um, in our research and in our in our product research and in our background research. That is one of the most frustrating moments is that people get up, they get dressed, they they deal with their commute, they have a tighter schedule, they do all these things, which, you know, they are normal things, but they are they are. Um, they are not necessarily easy or pleasant, all of them. And they do all these things um, just to go into an office, which, look, it might be a really beautiful office and it might not be, but whether it is or not, to go all the way in uh, just to have the majority of your interactions be with people who aren't with you <laughs> is a is a fundamentally frustrating reality um, and it's hard. I agree. It's hard to see. Um, it's hard to see how a company would be able to get away with demanding that um, without a good explanation, a good reason. And I, yeah, I just, I just um, really sympathize. And I think that the companies that do demand it and don't explain it well um, are going to lose their competitive advantage over time um, when it comes to recruiting and retention. 100%. Think about, you know, the the rise, you know, this is pre-pandemic of dual income households and such. And so for someone to say like, hey, you don't have to leave your job that you love that you make a lot of money for because I can take this cool job remote. Like, think of the talent that you are able to get if you're remote. You, now that person said yes versus no, I can't move. And so again, I believe that smaller companies, startups, where they're more willing to make those trade-offs because it matters more to them, they're gonna they're gonna be more willing to take those risks and do it. Because again, if you're a smaller company, not everyone knows your name and it's hard to get people. If you're a Fortune 100 and you say you have to be in the office at our company, at least everyone knows who it is, it's a legit company. There'll be tons of people willing to put up with that. Look at us, pull up, I wanna say put up with that. There'll be tons of people who, who may, that might be the right environment for who will say yes. But for that scrappy startup that's just like, I need the best of the best and I'm going to trust them and I'm going to hire them the right way to make sure that I don't have to worry about them doing what they need to do, they will thrive and they will keep costs down as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the sunk costs are a big part of it, right? The larger companies are sitting on the real estate commitments. The leases are very long and they're going to have to figure out how to lean in a little while also in embracing the the the, the long-term project of right-sizing their real estate footprint, right? I mean, they, they probably are realizing that they just don't need as much space as they thought they did. So- A hundred percent. Well, Kyle, it's it's been great to have you today. Kyle Samuels, founder and CEO of Creative Talent Endeavors. Um, I love this perspective, this recruiting, you know, and, 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 and sort of talent retention and recruiting uh, perspective that you brought. And um, we look forward to catching up with you again in the future. Thanks so much, Adam. I appreciate you. Have a great day. You too.